The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Joey, one of my takeaways from this interview that we did with John and Julian is we've been talking about short-term rental for a while now and how we can go rent someone else's unit, then turn around and rent it short term on sites like Airbnb and make as much as $800 a month and per bedroom per bedroom. And John experienced that same thing ramped up really fast, got up to like $40,000 a month net profit, not too shabby. <laughs> and here comes Julian. He's looking around, he's finding ideas. He's looking to see who's somebody out there that's an expert in the space. And now they've partnered together to do something I think even cooler which is take sort of the concept of the turnkey, long-term turnkey rental market and apply it to short-term. Yeah, I mean, how many of you have heard us talk about this and you're like, ah, I just, I got money. I don't have time for us. That sounds awesome, but it just doesn't work for me. Well, you need to tune in today because this may be the answer that you've been looking for. Well, even here's another twist to this, Joey. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to be a part of you guys' short-term rental mastermind, and I want to start this little business. And maybe this little business on the side can become my actual ability to leave my permanent job. And if you listen to what John and Julian did, is that they were doing this on the side, and then all of a sudden they go, hey, I figured out all of these different resources for our own personal units. Why don't I just tell other people about this and start managing theirs? I don't have to put any money in the deal and I can have an infinite return. Whoa, we like that word infinite, don't we? I love infinite. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's jump into this interview with John Bell and Julian Sage. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show today. We have a duo. This is kind of a rare thing, but we have John Bell and Julian Sage joining us. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Hey, for thanks, having Joey. Us. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, normally Joey and I are the ones that are doing things together. People are like, "Are you guys brothers? You know, step brothers? What? Like, you can't do it solo." But so I'm glad that other <laughs> business partners like to come on shows and talk together. It's it's a bond that we can have together. Well, well, gentlemen, I, you guys um, have become amazing experts in the space of short-term rental in a very short period of time. And Joey and I love that because we love pressing the gas pedal and going fast. So I want, I want to kind of like break down your story a little bit. 
But before we get there, if it's all right, let's just kind of give the backstory. So Julian, uh, I'm gonna let you start. Talk a little bit about like what you were doing before you got into the short-term rental business and why short-term rental was even appealing to you. Yeah, yeah, well, appreciate that. Thanks, Russ. It's, um, you know, I, I kind of fell into the short-term rental space um, kind of by accident. Um, you know, I spent years trying different businesses, uh, doing crypto trading, Forex. I started a mobile home business, uh, really just trying to do a bunch of different things to try to get my time freedom back. Um, you know, I kind of fell into this because, um, you know, my dad passed away from stage four lymph node cancer. And I felt like, you know, being active duty military, which, which I still am, uh, I felt like I was trading my time for money. Um, and I realized that the only way to be able to escape uh, trading your, your time for money uh, was, you know, being able to have control over your money. Uh, so I tried all these different businesses, nothing really seemed to work. Uh, I felt like I was spinning my wheels and I was honestly ready to give up and just quit, um, quit entrepreneurship. Uh, but it wasn't until, um, you know, we purchased this house, you know, we were going to settle down. I was going to maybe just, you know, uh, focus more on my military career um, that, you know, my wife said, Hey, let's, let's purchase a property and rent out the basement on Airbnb to save some money, you know, because we're, uh, we're a military couple living in the DC area. And, uh, you know, that entrepreneurial light bulb kind of clicked. And I was just like, man, that, that seems like a really good idea. Uh, so I do what everybody does when they have a, a brilliant idea. I go on Facebook, YouTube, I start messaging people, finding out, like watching all the videos. Uh, and I started actually reaching out to people on Facebook because I saw that they were actually able to make a living off of short-term rentals, whether they own the property or they were managing it for somebody else. And I thought it was crazy. Um, you know, really, really crazy. So I started reaching out to people. And one of the people that I actually reached out to was John, cause he was posted in the Facebook group, sharing, you know, some of his success. I was like, man, that guy is crushing it. I got to be around that guy. So I kind of, you know, pulled the, pulled the Joey. I was like, I got to be around people that are at that next step that, uh, you know, I'm not at. Um, so reach out to John, John and I meet up and, uh, you know, I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm uh, good with my good, I got good words or something. Cause I convinced him to start a podcast with me. Uh, <laughs> and then this eventually turned into, uh, you know, now we're over a hundred episodes with one podcast, uh, you know, where we give like actionable advice on short-term rentals Another podcast where I interview people on uh, that one solo, uh, just cause I like talking to people. Um, and that one's at about like 80 or probably about a hundred episodes now of this recording. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, pick, pick John's brain. He, he helped mentor me, um, teach me, you know, how to be able to manage other people's properties, uh, through this concept called rental arbitrage or master lease investing. And, uh, yeah, we've been, been growing since then. So. That's cool. And John, it sounds like just like I am to Joey, you were Julian's mentor. Um, I, you know, I don't know what else you need to say uh, about that, but uh, talk a little bit about your background. What, what were you doing prior to a short-term rental and, and why was short-term rental uh, an exit opportunity for you? You know, I was, um, I was doing a few things actually right before I found short-term rentals. One of the first things I was doing, I'm, I'm an IT guy. I was working my day job, supporting the government, DOD space, building out big networks. I had a job at that time. And I always had some type of interest in real estate. So I did go out, I bought a real estate franchise called Homevestors. Not too sure if everybody knows that brand, but that's the, the original We Buy Ugly Homes people. Um, I went out, I got that franchise. I was flipping homes on the side. So I was like, I was working up until four o'clock and then from like six to nine, I was going to go meet people and try to buy their house from them. And uh, whatever house I got, I was flipping it. And then uh, I, I was good, but I wasn't great. It took me a little while to kind of get started and to start buying direct. 
Meanwhile, I went to go visit one of my friends who was doing, he was killing it. Like we were in the same class. He was just buying all these properties. And I stayed at my first Airbnb. And when I stayed there, it was at an Archstone property. And I'm like, wait, Archstone is just a regular apartment building. Like, this is not a condo. My perception was that it was a condo. Uh, when I got there, I realized that, hey, this guy, I mean, it's a it's an apartment that you can look up. And I looked and I said, oh, this guy is paying this amount of money in rent. Um, but yet I'm paying this amount of money per night. Wait, this this is way more. If we just multiply this, this is a lot of money here. Like. There's, there's a lot here. Why don't I try to explore this? So I went to go visit my friend, right? We went to all these houses. He's flipping all these things. And I found that we really had the same problem. And the problem was uh, you flip, right? You, you put your money down. Uh, you go and you make whatever profit. But that profit might come three to six months later. And then in some cases, you've endured so much with that property that it feels like it wasn't necessarily worth everything that you just did. Or even if you got a big payday, some of that payday was just baked into endured pain and just getting <laughs> through it. And at the, sometimes it's just like, I just want it done. Anybody, just give me an offer. You can have it because it was that much of a headache. I felt like that. And I felt that he also couldn't do as many deals as he wanted to do because uh, of cash, right? Um, so that Airbnb idea stuck with me because I was thinking, wait, if he's making this much money month after month, that gives me cash to do other things. I could buy more. I could fund my own flipping if I just do this on the side. So I started, I said, hey, if I just make $4,000 a month with my regular day job, at worst, I'll use the 4K and I'll just go travel and I'll just have fun, right? I mean, it's a great side money. Anybody that says, hey, $4,000 a month, they don't know what to do with it is definitely lying, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I did it. I, I got like a couple units. It wasn't easy, uh, but uh, I did get a couple units. And once I got a couple, a couple more kind of opened up and I hit that mark. I hit that $4,000 mark and I was okay, but I couldn't stop going out and getting places. So I kept going. I actually grew the business up until about 33 units before I really kind of sat myself down and said, hey, I don't need my day job, but it's so easy to kind of keep it and so easy to run this business because of my IT mindset. I was really just automating everything. So I wasn't feeling like I'm stretched like I was with my home investors business where I'm working from four, get off at four and then go from nine o'clock and I'm like pounding the pavement, hitting the streets, trying to make deals. I wasn't doing that. So uh, I decided to let go of the, my franchise uh, at my five-year mark. And then I said, you know what, this year is the year that I'm going to do this business. And uh, right before COVID hit, uh, of course, I made that decision and then COVID hit. And all the profit that I thought that I was going to be making this year, uh, I'm not making, but it's still been great. I've learned a lot and just pivoting and still uh, falling back on, hey, I, I learned this new piece of uh, business. And at the same time, I'm still making a profit and still growing. And that's the biggest piece. I'm still growing, even though uh, a lot of businesses like myself and Julian and I, we they've just evaporated. They're just gone. Well, let's talk a little bit about, so you guys connected, right? And I started doing a podcast together. Did you guys also start a short-term rental business together? Or talk a little bit about how you guys just past the podcast have been able to work together. 
Yeah, well, I think I think it's it just kind of happened naturally where, you know, I was picking John's brain every single day, um, you know, just trying to find out like, you know, what what's what's the secret? Like, what, what do you need to do to be able to really build this business uh, that, you know, and through the podcast, we've built up this culture, this community of people that uh, are interested in managing themselves. So um, but there's a lot of people that listen to this and they say, like, hey, I am not the type of person that that wants to manage properties like you know we we you know we might make it sound easy just because like you know like what john says like once you have the systems in place it, it, it operates but it's still a business not everybody wants to invest into short-term rentals and you know run a business some people just want to you know invest in it to the same way that you would invest into like a multifamily building or a syndication or any type of that deal uh, they just want to purchase a property but they need someone that has that expertise so uh, you know, we started having people reaching out to us and saying, Hey, uh, you know, John Julian, you guys, you guys are helping me so much. But you know, I realized after going out picking my first property trying to manage it myself, that this is, a, this is actually a lot of work. And I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. So can you guys manage this property for me? Um, and then, you know, John and I, you know, we've been just teaching people and now it's just like, okay, well, you know, why don't we, you know, create this management company to help you know, our community out and help them invest into short term rentals. And from there, it's, it's, you know, developed from, you know, managing properties to actually going out and offering some different creative ways. Uh, because again, we're not, we're not uh, just a property manager. We're not just a service. We look at this more like a partnership, which is the kind of unique uh, approach that we have. So, so John, talk about that. So Julian mentioned uh, that you guys are not just a management company, but you're a partnership. How does a partnership differ in your eyes than a management company as it relates to the short-term rental business? You know, it's, it's funny um, that uh, we kind of even got on to just being partners, but it really just comes down to, we wanted to just help people fully. Like not just say, hey, give us a property. We'll take it any way that you wanted to give it to us and we'll list it and we'll just collect revenue. That just seems so wrong, at least to us. And uh, we wanted to kind of add some systems and standards to the space. We wanted to be able to say, hey, if I got a guest that comes and stays in one place in one city, they can go to another city and experience almost the same experience similar to a hotel. And through that, we just really figured out we can't do that just by picking up a property saying, hey, uh, we'll just list it and you just give us 20 percent um, because we know that if it was furnished a certain way or if it looks a certain way, if we're able to add in these type of amenities, we might increase the dollar per night at the same time, adding more towards our pocket, it's like a win-win. So to get those win-wins, we wanted to align ourselves more as partners versus just somebody you just throw properties at and we just we just take it as is. Okay, so talk about the, the help me with the practical differences there. Um, if I were hiring a management company for a short-term rental, talk about what that looks like versus how your partnership model looks like well there, there's there's a shift in the short-term rental space you know traditionally it's just been vacation rentals for a long time people right. throwing in their bought their mom and grandma furniture into a place putting it on online on verbo or airbnb and then trying to make some money off of that and and that's worked for a long time but uh what is shifting is now there's more of an urbanization there's more of a you know the same way that like hotels franchise it started with the boutique you know mom and pop hotels then it became like a franchise hotel we're seeing the shift in the short-term rental space where people are trying to get the best quality for their dollar and but 
now it's moving into urban areas. So why would I stay at a, you know, maybe a rundown property, short-term rental when I could stay at maybe a nice hotel, but if the, if the, you know, nice properties are at that same level or even better because it has that unique short-term rental experience, you know, why wouldn't I stay there? And why wouldn't I stay at the same property that I knew that I had an experience in DC that I could have in Miami? If I knew that, you know, that experience was going to be top quality. And that that's what we're seeing is the shift from, you know, just a mom and pop, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running my property type of prop, uh, place, which is still going to be there. It's, there's still going to be a market for it. But we're trying to target more of a systemized, more franchised model of uh, short term rentals. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. And so from you guys' perspective, as you're managing units now and not just doing it for yourself, but you guys are doing it in multiple cities. You've already mentioned D.C. You mentioned Miami. I think, John, before we, we press record, you mentioned a couple of other cities. Uh, talk about how you're able to do that um, from – you know, not living in those areas, right? Because it's got to be a little bit difficult on the front end to get all of those things started, to get the relationships with the cleaning crew that, you know, maybe a runner, potentially a handyman. I know the IT stuff can happen from wherever in the world, but some of those other things. Talk about how you guys have faced those, cha faced those challenges and been able to overcome them. Uh, that's why it's really important to partner with somebody like us, just because we've thought about those processes and things. Um, and what we do is when we're onboarding a property, we actually do go and we spend at least two to three weeks at the property itself, exploring the area, trying to establish teams, interviewing cleaners. Uh, we're possibly there finding other handymen that help our other team members that go and travel and build out furniture. So there's a good imprint that we kind of go down and we just try to find those local people to support. And when we leave, we always have our systems and standards that we put in place, and which makes it almost like a rinse and repeat thing for them to completely do over and over again. Without that, everything would go awry, right? Because people do things differently when it's time for inventory, people count different. Oh, I. I, didn't, I don't remember I threw this thing away and then next thing you know, we're short. We don't have those issues because we're on top of just some of the things that are needed. And we got that way only because I built out 20, 28 units uh, here in Virginia uh, in my backyard and just went through those things, right? I mean, I went through a lot of those, oh, well, we can't wash on site anymore. We got to wash off site. Like we got to uh, have a centralized hub. We got to do certain things this way. We, I need to buy this amount of stuff because we've already kind of had our test dummy in our backyard. When we go and implement in a new space, it's almost a cookie cutter piece to that. But then there's still an extra piece um, with growth. Of course, you got to tweak and mod as we add more units, as we hit 50, as we go up to 80, as we go to 100, those things do have to tweak and change. And that's one of the things that we're open to. We like changing the systems, breaking things and putting it back together better. So that's just one of the IT things. Julian didn't mention, I don't know if he's an IT as well. So it's like uh, we have that mindset that, oh, this broke. So how would we fix it and make it better? So can, I want to get really, really practical for somebody that's saying, okay, I love the idea that there's experts that can go into a city that they don't know 
and they, they already know the systems. They just have to apply it to my city. Um, and I've been wanting to get in this space. I just want to invest in something like this. Well, first of all, is there a minimum number of properties in an area before you guys would work in that area? And then secondly, what does an investment look like for that person to work in this, this model that you have? And is it an upfront? Is it ongoing monthly percentage? Like help me understand those type of things so I know what I'm dealing with. Right. Well, I think, I think it's important for the person, you know, we, we always uh, put it back on the investor and say, you know, what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking for just that vacation destination property uh, that you can kind of call your own? Or are you looking for a maximum return on your investment, like a cash flowing uh, asset? Um, you know, some people are interested in equity. Some people are just interested in cash flow. Uh, you know, these are all different things that they have to consider. Like, how much are you going to be putting into it? Uh, what do you expect back? Uh, so, you know, practically, uh, you know, we'd find that out about the investor. What are their goals? What are their long-term goals? And then based off the based off of what they want, you know, we would recommend either, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we should do a master lease. And, you know, because a master lease, you can put in very minimal and you can get X amount of cash flow out of it uh, projected. Uh, if you want to purchase a property, you know, you're going to have to probably put a lot more money down. There's, there might be some more time involved. Uh, so, you know, that's maybe a longer term strategy. And we actually call this uh, like the art, um, the RCD model of short-term rental investing, uh, rental arbitrage, uh, co-hosting and buy and hold because each each strategy is a little bit different for us because we're managers we incorporate the C the co-hosting the management into our model uh, because you know there's no cash from us but there is that time and that expertise uh, and even though our cash flow isn't as high you know our risk is a lot more nominal uh, rental arbitrage it's it's uh, very minimal cash in but you can get a very nice cash flow out. And with buy and hold, it's more cash in and still nice cash flow out. Uh, but each strategy is is going to be for the individual investor. If someone is just passive and they don't want to manage property, properties themselves, then they're going to be limited to rental arbitrage and buy and hold. Uh, and that's what we work out with them. Uh, and then once we find that out, then we'll say, okay, you know, if you're uh, you know, we'll look at the, at the different markets. We'll either have properties that we already have available uh, that they can work with us. Um, or we have a team of agents throughout the country and they can actually work with us. We'll find an agent in a location that they're interested in and then get them all suited up, uh, find a property and then, um, you know, take over the management from there. And, you know, we're holding, holding their hand along the way. Well, let, let's go down one path just to make this so I can have some real clarity here. Let's say that I am in, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of Texas and I want to start rental arbitrage and I want to, I want to first, I'm, this is my first entree. So I want to start with one unit, but I want to quickly scale. Like I hear these knuckleheads on Wealth Without Wall Street, these two rednecks, Joey and Russ, have gotten to 11 units in five months and they're like, I could, I could totally beat those guys. So I start with one and I want to scale quickly. One, is there a minimum number of properties before you guys would partner with them on that? Or do you just go ahead and make all the investment up front for that first one and then hope that it grows? Or like, how does that work? Um, so there's really no minimum. Um, but what we look to do is to partner with the investors 
that that do want to scale. Uh, for us, of course, we want to build a business uh, around this other person's business, but we don't want to necessarily make it everlasting. We want to get you set up. And if that means that you want to kind of fly on your own after you set up, then we're okay with that. So um, when we meet somebody that wants to, let's say, start in a brand new market, we'll go and we'll do as much as we can do uh, remotely just to test and just verify, hey, is this the market that you want? But we get a lot of people that come in and say, hey, I don't know where to go. Just find find me a place. And we're like, OK, that, that's fine. You know, we'll do our research. We'll kind of talk about, hey, we can go to this location. We can try this location out. We have experience in this location here. Uh, and we'll just advise almost just what's best. That's that's really the key is that we almost serve as advisors before we even really are uh, clients. Okay, so let, let's say someone engaged you at that level. Do you charge them an upfront fee to just identify the location, you know, set up the rental arbitrage, like the lead, the master lease situation? Like, how, how does that work? Yeah, so, so some people, you know, they'll reach out to us and they'll be like, hey, you know, John and Julian, I, I want to partner with you guys, find me a property. And it's like, <laughs> you know, that we, we that's not, that's not, that that's the, the, a majority of the work, a lot of the work just comes from those relationships because this is a relationship business. Us going and talking to apartments and building those relationships. Some people think like, hey, find me a property and then you know, I'll, I'll put the money into it and then, but I still wanna also maybe do some management and stuff like that. Um, you know, if, if we're creating that relationship with an apartment, if that relationship gets ruined because someone's not able to operate, if they're a first time operator and they don't have any experience, that relationship uh, affects us that affects us out there because a lot of these operators, you know, in the multifamily space there, you know, there's not too, too many people out there. Everybody kind of knows everybody. So, you know, if, if we create a relationship and then it gets ruined by somebody else, that looks bad on us. So that's why we, when we are working with people that are interested in investing into, uh, into master lease properties, we, we have full control over that. So we look at that. If you're looking to invest in a master lease property, um, if you're finding and creating that relationship, then we can manage it on your behalf and that's fine. But if you're just looking to put up the capital and you don't have those existing relationships and you're just looking for something more passive, then we would either tap into our existing network or if there's like a specific location that you're really interested in and the regulations make sense, then, you know, we can talk about, you know, maybe looking into those markets and creating those relationships. But again, you don't just create those relationships overnight. You know, like in the case of Miami, we started off with one building and, you know, it, that took a, up time and there was a commitment and a level of trust. And then, you know, we got multiple properties because we did create that relationship. And, you know, now it's, you know, like John says, you start off with two and now all of a sudden you have 30. And it's because, you know, if you're working with apartments, you know, it's it's very easy to scale, especially if you're working with property managers. So uh, some some people look at this as very transactional, like give me money, give me, you know, give you money, find me a property where <laughs> we're saying, hey, this is this is a relationship business. If you want to work with us, uh, you know, we have to talk about this in a, in, in a partnership. No, I love it. By the way, I, I think Julian is going to like completely throw off all of our listeners because every one of our listeners put us on 1.5 speed on the podcast and there's no way at 1.5 speed you're going to keep up with most of what Julian said. They're like constantly. And when you, you know, I mean, you, you don't go backwards. You have to go through two point, you know, through two speed to get back to, to one speed. So like you're throwing people off. They're right down the road. Just like, goodness, come on, man. Um, that's, yeah, I, I listen to all my podcasts in two times. Maybe that's <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine. All right. Well, th this is so good. Like I, 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 we do, uh, obviously you can't go into everything as I really would 
want to, but I do have a couple more questions, but just the fact that you guys are going to be uh, in the community uh, available for people to reach out to and ask questions and connect. I totally encourage you guys to, to reach out to John and Julian, because as you can tell, these guys know their stuff. Uh, they, they got the uh, processes and systems down, which is really a lot of the battle, right? It's like, you know, there, there's lots of little stories that they've, they, they can probably share with us. And I do want to get a couple of those, but man, just connect with people who know what they're doing, borrow that information um, because it's so valuable. So I, I do want to talk a little bit real quickly as we start to wrap up, talk a little bit about those challenges though, because I, I know as you guys have been doing this, since you're scaling, and maybe this is a selfish question because Joey and I are trying to scale, right? And and we've seen some of those struggles, um, you know, as it relates to just getting, you know, the the purchasing of the furniture down. Like we made some mistakes early on and, and didn't really have the line items. And we probably spent way too much in, in certain units and, and stretched out, uh, you know, our break-even time longer than it should be. But, you know, we, we're, we're moving into that next phase where we're now having to, to have specific bookkeepers, having to have, um, you know, uh, designers who are giving us itemized lists, you know, looking for the virtual assistants to help our team members be able to do what needs to be done. Talk about those little things, those challenges that maybe you faced uh, along the way that you didn't know, uh, but you ran into. And it's something that Joey and I could glean uh, insight from. You know, uh, in the beginning, when I first started, I was doing all my designs myself, and that was great. I'm, I'm not like a de trained designer or anything. I think I do have a good sense of style. It wasn't like, um, like you know, like a magazine or anything like that, but it looked great. It was better than what most would put together, especially for most men, you know? It didn't look like <laughs> a bachelor pad or anything that way, but um, one of the things that really helped and assisted was when I did bring a designer on to just do the project, getting a detailed list and just having them track the packages, that was a world of difference. Then um, being able to kind of 10X that, right? So now we get multiple units at one time. We get six, seven units just at one time. I don't have to deal with that because the designer has to just go through, they put the list together, they track all the stuff. It just gets put into one of the rooms and we build the furniture, move it to where it needs to go. That was one of the uh, hardest things to do, just trying to do it on your own, just managing and trying to find out stuff. Uh, one of the things just on the same lines as furniture, designers can save you money just because they already have the relationships and also uh, probably business pricing from the vendors that they order from. So no matter what the fee is, you probably get that back in saving. So that's always one of those things. Um, one of the next things was just cleaning, right? Just uh, I used to have somebody go and physically inspect each apartment after it was cleaned, uh, which is great. It's it's absolutely the best thing that you can do, especially when you're trying to build standards and the brand. Uh, physically going and looking at each one, you can fully verify everything is top notch. What I found was. Uh, you stress people when you have so many units, you don't necessarily have enough work to add another person, but they can't go, you know, 10 different apartments that are five miles away from each other within the checkout period after a cleaning, which leaves them probably a slither of time, you know, an hour and a half and remediate whatever issues are there. So incorporating things like uh, a software that can do task management, something to where the cleaners can 
uh, upload photos and you can verify from the photos. But not only that, but just keeping the same cleaner. Um, there's so much that you can get from just repetitive uh, actions that the same person can go through. Hey, just this room behind me, right? The cleaner knows to put the pillows on this side of the couch instead of this side of the couch, because this is the way the photos are. Um, they also know, hey, this goes back in this place. But when you add somebody brand new, they don't know. They're gonna put the pillow in the middle. They're gonna change things around be to what looks best to them. And the one review that we like the most is, it looks just like the photos. Cause when we know we get, we get that review, that means we did everything well, right? You, you booked it off of the photos. Uh, you came in, it looks just like it. We're happy. You're happy. I love exactly what you just said. I was taking notes about the uploading the photos as they, as they leave it. I, I literally just sold a car. I traded a car in, got a new one and I did it all on an app from here at the office. I, I, I downloaded this app. I uploaded the pictures. I sent it to them. And within like five minutes after, you know, 10 minutes after I sent it to them, I have a, a price. I showed up at the dealership to pick up the car that I was buying. It, they never asked me to, for the keys They because they, they had everything. They already knew everything there was. The same thing could be true for, uh, you know, automating a process. I mean, the EMF book talks about a lot of that same concept. And, and secondly, man, the pictures, giving them a guide to follow. This is what it needs to look like. And then I want to see your picture every time you leave this time stamp, probably that shows me it looks just like that picture. I mean, what a beautiful thing. I, I love that. What would you add, uh, Julian, as far as like challenges that you think that you guys ran into or able to overcome? Yeah, I think, I think for John and I, it, it was really natural fit because um, finding your, for me, it was, it was finding like your, your zone of genius. Uh, like I came into this business thinking like, you know, I wanted to run everything. Uh, but you know, realizing that it's just like, Hey, just because you, you hear what other people are doing and you want to get into the space doesn't mean that maybe that's necessarily your best role is managing. And I think you guys do this really well is you find people that, that, and you leverage their experience and their talents. And like John was a master at this. When I talked to him, like compared to like, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in the short-term mental space. And when I talked to John, it was just like, he was doing something really different that I want, that I wanted to be around. So I, you know, and, and John, you know, he's, he's a very introverted guy. Like he wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't, you know, for me, you know, creating these relationships and, you know, talking fast and, you know, getting people excited. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so, you know, we, we both have our, our zones of genius and John, um, you know, he, he loves all the, all the detail and like, uh, you know, like the, making sure that the pillows are on the right side and making sure that, you know, um, you know, going into a specific room and, and all of these different aspects that, that can be, you know, some people are just like, Hey, I don't want to deal with any of that. Like, I just want to have the vision. I want to create you know, I want to, I have the vision, I have the big idea, maybe I have the capital or I have the time, the grit to go out and do things, but there's areas where I'm weak. Um, for me, I think realizing uh, when I first came into this thinking that I want to do everything and then realizing I don't have to do everything. I can work with other people that have that experience was, was big for me. That's so cool. Well, guys, um, this has been an, an amazing interview to just learn more about how to even get to um, scale, 
uh, we've we've been talking short-term rentals now for a long time because we got fired up about it. We started growing a business. And of course, that's when you start doing something, you start you just attracting other people uh, like-minded. So I'm grateful we could get connected to you guys. Um, outside of the community where you guys are both going to be um, joining us, how else can people find you, learn more about what you're doing and, and connect with you? Yeah, I'd say the best way is um, our blog, uh, shorttermsage.com. Uh, that's, that's where we teach people completely for free uh, how to be able to you know learn about short-term rentals. If you're just starting off or you are scaling, we get pretty technical in there, um, but that's the best way. Shorttermsage.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, as, as always, people can connect with the community. Any parting thoughts from you, Russ? Man, you guys did amazing. I love the fact that you guys were able to go back and forth. Joey and I'm always fighting over the mic. You guys are so <laughs> humble to, to let the other one go first. And, 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 and I can already tell you guys have a great partnership. You guys are, are going to be a great success. You already are. And I hope our, our community will reach out and connect with you. And, um, I, I'm pretty interested in as you guys are, are growing, maybe there's a way for us to, to get connected and, and expand as well. So uh, thank you guys for being on the show. And thank you as always as a listener to, to listening to us and, and dealing with Joey and I's uh, humor or lack thereof. But uh, see you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.